God indeed um, fills his word with promises. And as Deb noted in, in uh, the praise time, over 500 places where he speaks about our fears. That he's a God without equal, a God of the impossible. Last week we looked at truth about that uh, out of Joshua 1 about fears of the unknown, uh, fear that, that claims and, and grips our hearts at times, right? We see something in front of us and we're wondering, how is it going to turn out? And we, we start to wonder, and maybe circumstances and things make us think the worst. And anxiety starts to creep up and doubts. And yet, God called us to be, as He called Joshua standing on the brink of the unknown. He said, I, I promise you to give you this land, and yet not much more, right? You don't, don't veer to the right or the left. But that promise of being their God, of protecting, of caring, of leading was there. And they had a choice to believe it or not. Us too. Whatever it is unknown that we that we we don't need all of the details, we don't need to be certain. We just need to know Him. And today I want to I want to share with you another truth, because maybe you've already deduced and it's been talked about fear of, of feeling helpless or vulnerable. God speaks a, a lot to that. He shares an incredible story that I'm going to read for you in just a minute out of Second Kings about somebody who, who was paralyzed by fear and a tremendous truth that comes out of that. But I want you to think again about some of the things that you face and some of the things that you struggle with. I want to share a story with you. Uh, and this is one of many. Um, could kind of take my pick for better or worse. And I can still see um, this person just so clearly, just like it was yesterday. This is a gal who had, um, in, in a prior ministry, had worshipped with us just a couple of times. Uh, I'm always looking for people I don't know, and um, I had seen her come, and she she would come in at the very last minute and kind of like rush in and grab a seat in the back. And then when um, the, the service was done, she would rush right out. Didn't talk to anybody, ran in and out. And I always wonder about that. And so it's in my, my office, and a secretary knocks on the door and opens it up and says, um, I, I have somebody here who wants to see you. I said, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, have them come on in. So the door opens, and she walks in. And I recognize who, who it is. At least I, I don't know her name. I don't know. I just know that she's the gal that's been worshiping with us a couple of weeks. And instantly when she walks in, I can sense that she's incredibly uncomfortable, tense, nervous. Just her demeanor, she, she was shaken, never made eye contact with me, looking at the floor. The secretary leaves and she starts to speak, but she's just, she's stammering. 
I, um, I, 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 I just wondered if, I, I, just, I just wanted to talk to you for a few minutes. Never looked at me. And I said, sure. And she said, I, I, I know you don't know who I am. And I said, well, I think maybe, I said, have you worshiped with us a, a couple of weeks? And, and her eyes popped up, her face looked at me. I said, yeah, yes. And it was just an instant of being recognized that almost as quickly her face dropped back down again. And she stood there. And so I said, come on in and have a seat. And she came in and she sat down. I sat down. I just waited. Then she started to speak a little bit here and there about uh, not sure if she should be here, not sure quite what to say or where to start. Started to have some tears and real soft crying. And so I just tried to reassure and encourage her and say, look, it's okay. Just take your time. It's all right. I know it's hard for you to be here. And obviously what you have on your heart and what you want to share is just really difficult for you. So just, it's all right. Then after a little while longer, she started to speak some more. Started to share about her situation. In a relationship um, that was unhealthy, bad, with a, with a boyfriend. Spitting out its and bits about what that meant. He was somebody who um, monitored her phone, looked at everybody that she called, even would check the mileage on her car to see where she went, how far she went that day, or ask her and grill her um, where she went, who she saw, et cetera, et cetera. Getting all this out in bits and pieces in between sobs and crying talked about how he constantly berated her, told her she was worthless, and because he was had a job, she didn't have a job, he was a source of anything that she had in terms of income, so he paid for her phone, her car, et cetera, et cetera. Complete control. You get the picture. Never let her forget that. Um, day after day, moment after moment. And she had no hope if she ever left him, et cetera, et cetera. And then she um, looked up at me really briefly and said, I don't even know if I should be here. I know he's going to be really, really mad about this. And then her head dropped back down, and she just burst into tears, weeping uncontrollably. We, we talked some more. I don't know if you've ever been in a position like that. Maybe, maybe not. But I do know this, that there's been moments in your life when you faced something that has really frightened you. A time or a place when you felt incredibly vulnerable, maybe even helpless. 
If you haven't, um, it's going to happen. And so all I tried to do was just encourage her. Speak about God's promises. That's why it's a privilege for me to share with you today. Because again, there's moments when you know, we can feel demoralized, maybe even paralyzed, because of the vulnerability that we feel and the hurt that we think is real that's in front of us. It's great to share this story with you and the truth that comes with it out of Second Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 17. A truth that comes at the end of this story. And so I would ask you to just open up your hearts and hear what it is that God has to share with you this morning. Second Kings 6, verses 8 to 17. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing in that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The word came back, he's in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and he went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what should we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is the word of God, when its truth be written on your heart, lived in your life. So unpack this story a little bit with me. You read in, in verses 8 to 11 that um, the king of Aram's at war with Israel. And he, and he makes um, battle plans, plans, advances, assaults, whatever, um, sets them all up. But something else is going on too. Um, Elisha the prophet is getting a word from God about where that's going to take place, what's going to happen. And so he lets the king of Israel know. And the king of Israel is to avoid falling under attack and suffering defeat at the hands of the king of Aram. Now, I want you to think about that. If you're the king, the king of Aram, and you have a mightier uh, army, you, you have the numbers, you should be able to squash and defeat them. 
And yet time and time again, your plans are stymied. They fail. I think at first, you know, maybe uh, coincidental, maybe once or twice, frustration. But then it became really clear, right? Logical. Something's going on here. His logical conclusion was that there was somebody who was a traitor. Somebody who was leaking the information, the battle plans. And he gets angry, furious. Wouldn't you? And so he asked his officers, you read that, hey, fess up, who is it? Who's the one that's leaking the information? Let me know. Well, I, I don't know how they knew, good counterintelligence perhaps, but they, they speak right up. And they say, well, it's not any of us. But the prophet Elisha is telling the king of Israel everything you say, knows the word you speak in your bedroom. Woo. So he might have been angry and mad about some things, but then I think he gets really furious as well about being outwitted and outmaneuvered by a simple prophet. He is, after all, the king of Aram. And you can kind of see his anger in terms of of what happens next. Find out where he's at. I want this guy. So they go, they send back a report. He's in Dothan. And then what does he do? Does he send a couple of people down to get this one man? No. A strong force. Horses and chariots. Go by the cover of night. Now, I I know you don't know. Um, Maybe you do. I shouldn't take for granted that you don't know about Dothan. It's a small city. Did have a wall around it, nothing like Jericho. You know, big walls, thick. And, and remember, Israel is at war with Aram. King of Israel is protecting his own. A lot of forces gathered at Jerusalem. Not much for Dothan. So no people there, no military. But the king of Aram sends a strong force. Lots of soldiers, chariots, horses. What does that tell you? He's still burning mad. And he wants to get the guy that has humiliated him. And he wants to make him pay. What happens next, I I think, is just really, really awesome. And I try to envision the servant. I don't know how you are in the morning... I need like a pot of coffee before I can think too well. He gets up. Maybe he's not that kind of guy. He gets up and he just first thing, stretching, you know, going outside, getting some water or something to do his duties. And all of a sudden he kind of sees something and, you know, head snaps up, eyes pop out. He sees the army of Aram all over the place, everywhere he looks. He starts taking it all in. And he knows instantly why they're there. There's something else that I assure you happens. Think about it. It's not just Elisha, anybody associated with him. I'm convinced that as he sees all of those soldiers, 
He thinks, I'm a dead man. You've come for my master, and I'm part of the package. Fear grips his heart. Again, have you ever been in a situation like that? Really vulnerable, helpless? That's where he was at. And he runs, he runs to Elisha. And this is where, if you, if you, if you haven't um, readied yourself, your heart's not open, receptive to hearing truth, open it up now. Because what happens next is what God wants you to hear very, very plainly and clearly for your own lives, for your own circumstances, for the times that you feel helpless and vulnerable. He shares a powerful, powerful truth. Verse 16, the first thing that the prophet says, don't be afraid. I don't know if there's a big pause it doesn't really say in terms of what happens next. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are not. Even if it was just a few seconds, think about you being that servant. Don't be afraid. What? Really? Don't you have eyes? I do. I'm looking and I'm seeing. I know what's out there. There's all kinds of chariots, horses, army. They're going to come and kill us. You lost your mind? Anybody with a half a brain understands what that means. Logical conclusion. We're toast. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha does what I hope, I know you've heard me say it before, perhaps if you worship with us on a regular basis, he does the very best thing. What does he do? He prays. He calls on the name of the Almighty God. He doesn't start ordering his servants. Well, let's ch- check it out. How many swords? How many spears? How many? What can we do to. No, no he says, Lord God, <laughs> open his eyes. Help him to see what is, what really is. And God did. I try to envision the hearts of people in the biblical accounts because it helps me to get there. And so I'm envisioning the servant, and, 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 and all of a sudden he looks and he sees what was real and true. It says all around Elisha, maybe between them and the army of Aram, maybe not, but all over the place, horses and chariots of fire, the army of God. I know I've asked you this, I asked you this question last week. If you were here, I ask it again. So think about the times that 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 fear is rising in your heart because of someone, maybe again, somebody who like that gal I spoke about had somebody that was just trying to control them, manipulate them, berate them, let them know that they're here and I've got my thumb on you and I can control anything you say or do. 
when you have those feelings of helplessness or a situation, here's the question when you're feeling helpless like that, you have those fears, those doubts, what are you looking at? What do you see? And you know, the servant doesn't say that, nor does God give promises to be right or to be little. And, and that's not the purpose for asking the question. The question is just asking you to honestly answer. When you're in that moment, what is it that you really see? You see the controller? You see the one that you think is there to, or, the, or the situation, the problem that's going to inflict pain and hurt? That's making you feel helpless like you can't do anything, that, it, that, that there is no hope in this moment? And it might not be that, that big or that deep for you. Maybe it's just something that you're really struggling with and it causes that, that anxiety to bounce up. And to have fears, maybe not totally paralyzed or gripped by them. That's a very important question. What do you see in the moment? And of course, what I'm asking you is, is do you see God? Do you have in your mind and the understanding of his promises? Again, over 500 times we have it here. There's all kinds of places that God speaks. And I know that the, the font was pretty small. Maybe they were, maybe they were included in it. I think of the words of Isaiah 40. And it was in the song that we sang, by the way. Isaiah 40, 31, those who hope in the Lord renew their strength. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you believe it? Psalm 27, 1, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. On and on the, the, the passages go and the truths are there to speak and to share about who it is that God truly is and the promises that he gives to us. A proverb I repeated last, uh, and, and repeat this week, I shared last week, Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will be a snare, but those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. And you know, I could, I could go on and on and share passage after passage. The real question though is, do you really believe that? Do you really believe it when God says, I've got you? Don't be afraid. I'm here with you, and I promise to love you and care for you, to pick you up and to hold you, to support you and encourage you. I know what it seems like. I know what you're in the midst of. I just want you to know I love you, and I'm your God. When fear starts to rise, does your faith? And Jesus encountered the Pharisees numerous times. Maybe you know the counts, you've read the Gospels. And if you, you paid attention to them time and time again, when they came, they were functioning out of this, this 
mode of being those in power, and they wanted to to exercise their control and their authority on Jesus, so they were always trying to intimidate him. Always trying to control him. Always trying to, to have fear enter into his heart over who they were. Even in the midst of, of when he's, he's just minutes away from dying, even Pilate, I don't know if you remember this, in John 10, John 19, verses 9 and 10, uh, he's, he's, he's in the room with Pilate, and Pilate recognizes that he, he has a moment here <clears throat> to, to free Jesus, even at the risk of everything that's going to happen. And he walks in and he says to Jesus, who's saying nothing, and he says this to them, uh, to, to Jesus. He says, do you not realize... Speaking of power and control, do you not realize that I have the power to either free you or crucify you? Remember what Jesus said? You don't have any power over me. The power that you've been given has been given to you by my heavenly Father. Complete confidence and assurance in who it is that his heavenly Father was. God encourages us. He urges us to know Him like that. To know who He truly is. And the promises that He gives to us that He seeks to fulfill each and every day. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, I hope that's true. You have been given his presence. Do you know the words of 2 Timothy 1.7? But I did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. I didn't come into your heart to make you be fearful and riddled with anxiety. I did not come into your heart and to your life to have you feel helpless. I came into your heart and to your life to let you know my grace, my forgiveness, and to give you an understanding of my deep, deep love for you. And I will uphold it. I will protect you. I will care for you. I will meet your needs. I'll do anything and everything. I just want you to know that. And that's the big question for us today, right? Do we? How do we live? Mm. I love these words in there, the words I'll close with. And things that I hope that um, if you're not there, and that's okay, that you just process and you think about you pray about who is God? What are His promises to me? And what am I choosing to believe today, tomorrow, in this moment? The next time I feel vulnerable or helpless or weak. 2 Corinthians 1, 20-22, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Remember when you, when you pray, listen to this, and so through Him the amen 
is spoken by us to the glory of God. Anybody ever ended their prayers with the word amen? None of you? You know what amen is, right? In, in the language in Greek? For it will surely be. It truly is. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us to the seal of ownership on us. You're his. He is yours. And put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Guaranteeing, guaranteeing, guaranteeing what is to come. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, let your faith rise. Have faith over fear. Let me pray with me. Lord God, we come before you this morning. And I know if each one of us were transparent and honest, we, we have things in our life that, that we struggle with. God, things that we're fearful about. Lord, I pray for your presence. I pray for your love to rise up and just let the rain fell to refresh the earth last night. Let it refresh our hearts. And we'd be encouraged and emboldened. Our faith would give us victory over our fears because we know you and we'd claim your promises. feet, oh God, would simply seek to follow. I praise glory and honor to you in your name.